I'm Peter Boxer, publisher of OHS Canada, and you're listening to 2020 Focus on Safety, brought to you by OHS Canada Magazine, Canada's premier occupational health and safety publication, serving the professional Canadian safety community since 1985. OHS Canada's 2020 is meant to focus on today's trends and issues affecting the Canadian workplace safety landscape, based on questions we received from our 10,000 plus Twitter followers. Welcome to the first edition of OHS Canada's 2020, your focus on safety. Last year, OHS Canada conducted symposiums focusing on legalization of recreational cannabis and the potential effects to the workplace. Experts in the area of developing policies and procedures, legal and drug testing spoke to our audiences about setting their companies up for developing best practices relating to the legalization of cannabis. Today, we're gonna follow up our symposiums with taking a look at the current legal climate relating to the use of cannabis and the workplace. We have with us today a legal expert in labor law who will tackle some of the questions we've been taking for the past couple of weeks via our Twitter account. Please join me in welcoming our labor law expert, Sarah Youssef. Sarah is an associate with Loopster and Nixon LLP, dedicated to the practice of labor and employment law, representing business owners in all aspects, including hiring policy, employment agreements, disciplinary measures, workplace policies, wrongful dismissals, human rights matters, workplace investigations, and WSIB issues. Sarah has appeared before the Ontario Superior Court of Justice, the Divisional Court, and the Court of Appeal of Ontario. She's also trained and experienced in conducting workplace investigations on a variety of matters, including harassment, bullying in the workplace, discrimination, and reprisals. For almost 45 years, Loopster Nixon LLP is a Toronto-based firm of over 40 lawyers focused on serving an entrepreneurial client base, offering a broad range of legal services to businesses across Canada and throughout North America. Sarah, welcome. We appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, Peter. Thank you for having me today. We've got a little bit of time and we've got quite a few questions. We've got about four or five questions. They're all kind of heading in the same direction. So let's dig in right into some of those OHS Canada readers questions that we've received. Let's start off with, what are the rules for drug testing in Canada? That seems to be a popular question. Yeah, Peter, um, this is a definitely a popular question and um, an area that's a bit of a legal minefield for employers, both in union and non-unionized settings, just because drug testing um, and the rules of impairment are still very much a gray area. Um, but I'll go into where testing is generally considered permissible, and that's in three spheres. The first one is in pre-employment context. Um, that said, the, uh, pre-employment drug testing is usually only justified in limited circumstances and usually only in highly safety-sensitive workplaces where it has to be shown that it's a bona fide occupational requirement or, in other words, a requirement that's uh, necessary for the proper and efficient performance um, of a job. And examples of where pre-employment uh, uh, drug testing would be permissible would be, for instance, airline pilots, bus drivers, or those who operate heavy-duty uh, equipment, for instance, it's sure. usually not going to be considered uh, justified in non-safety-sensitive positions, uh, simply because denying a person a job because of the presence of THC in their system could be considered discriminatory. I mean, a policy that assumes that a person, whether or not they're disabled or whether or not they're addicted, will present to work unfit for duty, it's not really a valid predictor that the candidate will be impaired at work in the future. So as it stands today, pre-employment drug testing will only be permissible in um, highly safety-sensitive workplaces. Now, the second area 
where drug testing may be permissible is where there's reasonable grounds to suspect that someone is impaired and uh, post-incident testing. Now, the Supreme Court has found that on its own, um, an unsafe workplace, testing will only be justified in very narrow circumstances. And those are, there has to be reasonable grounds to suspect that an employee is impaired on the job. It could also be permissible when someone is returning to work after um, an on-the-job accident or it could also be permissible as a part of a rehabilitation plan when someone is coming back to work um, after treatment for substance abuse. Uh, that's the second area. The third is right now the most controversial, and that's random drug testing. Now, random drug testing is generally considered to be a pretty severe invasion of a person's privacy rights and also a potential violation of human rights legislation. Again, that's only going to be justified in very rare circumstances where it's known that the work culture has a problem of drug or alcohol abuse or where the workplace is highly safety sensitive. And um, when it comes to the threshold that employers are facing to justify random drug testing, it's not enough to simply say that the job is dangerous. The employer has to show evidence that there's been a huge increase in unsafe operation in their workplace, and they also need to show real evidence that there is a drug culture in their workplace to uh, justify random drug testing. How would they justify this? They would uh, justify it by showing uh, that there's been a high rate of accidents in the workplace. Um, they would ha also have to present statistics to show that there is a problem with drug and alcohol use in the workplace. They, they need to essentially present hard evidence to back up the fact that the workplace uh, is unsafe and that they have a known history with drugs and alcohol in the workplace. Okay. Well, let's move on to um, a second question. Are employers allowed to dictate how employees use cannabis in their personal time? Yeah, this is a tough one, Peter. Um, I think employers are going to have to exercise some degree of caution in terms of regulating off-duty conduct of their employees. Now, courts have found it generally unreasonable to impose a policy that bans the use of recreational marijuana while someone is off-duty or on vacation. Uh, such a policy is generally seen as, first of all, an intrusion into the employee's private life. And also, it's sort of a, a way of regulating the uh, morality of employees, which courts don't generally uh, like. So particularly in non-safety sensitive positions, I don't think that employers will be able to dictate or ban um, cannabis use in personal time. Now, I think in safety-sensitive positions, uh, companies can reasonably take the position um, and have a workplace policy that states that employees can't use marijuana before a shift. Um, they could even try to impose time limits on that, but then the question becomes, what time frame can you implement? Is it reasonable to say that uh, a worker can't smoke eight hours before a shift, 10 hours, 24 hours. Uh, these are the, the, the challenges and the questions we're facing right now, just because again, um, impairment is so difficult to measure and it affects every individual uh, differently. Um, and in the media, this question is facing a lot of controversy at the moment. The Calgary police is trying police. to implement a zero tolerance policy for its uh, police officers and here in Toronto, the Toronto Police uh, Association is trying to implement a 28-day ban. 
Yeah, and, and most uh, recently, Metrolinx has jumped on the bandwagon and is uh, banning recreational pot use um, in safety-sensitive positions. And I believe the union is um, planning to file a grievance on that. So whether these will hold up remains to be seen, uh, just because there is at this time no accurate research on how long an individual could be impaired. I think in the absence of solid scientific research in this area, we're going to continue to see a rise in court cases where these types of workplace policies uh, are challenged. But as it stands today, I think it's unlikely that employers can place any real restrictions on what an employee can do while they're outside of the workplace, particularly in um, non-safety sensitive positions. Um, that said, companies can and should have workplace policies that state that employees are to report to work fit for duty and should not be impaired by drugs or alcohol, which would also mean that employees are not to smoke right before a shift, right? Right. Well, D&D, I believe, is a day before or something. You can report to work uh, as a in the military. Is it a day or two? I think it is. I can't remember, but it's certainly not 28 days like Toronto Police Service. Yeah, I think 28 days is too uh, restrictive. The tests and the studies all say uh, different things. Some say that the effects of THC can be felt in the body for uh, weeks, even months um, after use. Others say that the effects will wear off after five or six hours. So I think we really need um, some solid research in this area one way or another. Have the courts seen any today? No, all the research says something different. And um, as to what research the courts tend to follow, there isn't really a trend. It just depends on whoever is uh, hearing the matter. Let's jump to the next question. Is, is smoking um, uh, marijuana at work legal ground for dismissal? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, uh, it certainly can be. The company should have a clear written workplace policy that states that smoking at work is uh, strictly prohibited and can be a grounds for dismissal. Okay. So um, if, if the, the company has that policy, then uh, yeah, if, if you are caught smoking at work, it can be grounds for dismissal. That said, um, if the employer discovers or if the person discloses that they have a disability um, and that's the reason that they're using marijuana at work or if they okay. disclose that they're an addict, then the employer can't automatically jump to uh, terminating the person. They would at that point have to follow the steps of um, accommodation, just like alcohol. But otherwise, in the absence of qualified medical need to use the marijuana, and in the absence of a drug addiction problem, then um, it can be grounds for dismissal. Again, it's important that the companies have clear policies on this. Yes. And I think that progressive discipline should also be followed uh, prior to just jumping to termination. I guess the moral of the story too is if you have any challenges with, uh, with uh, cannabis or you're using it for medical purposes, is communicate with your, uh, your employer. Exactly, and if the employer suspects that there is a problem with addiction or suspects that the person is using marijuana in the workplace, the employer also does have a duty to inquire and ask the difficult questions, right? It's, right. it's really a two-way street. The onus is both on the employer and the employee. Again, much like alcohol, I suppose. Much less, yeah, the easiest way to think about uh, marijuana is essentially the same um, as alcohol or the same as any other uh, prescription drug that's used in the workplace. It's really not that much different. The challenging thing about marijuana um, as opposed 
to alcohol is uh, the question of impairment and how to detect it uh, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, so I think we have time for one more. If an employer accuses or suspects a worker is high on, uh, on cannabis, how far can they go to prove or disprove the claim? For example, what happens if an employee refuses a drug test? Yeah, this is a good question. And um, it is a big challenge that employers are facing is, first of all, the ability to identify impairments. And then what do you do if you uh, do suspect and catch someone who is high on the job? So I think, first of all, if um, an employer has reasonable grounds to suspect that someone is uh, high on the job, um, and by reasonable grounds, uh, this could include either they physically witness uh, the person using marijuana at work or someone reports yeah. reports this to their manager, witnessing yeah. someone else use marijuana or um, witnessing physical symptoms. And this would include uh, the red eyes, the slow to respond, slurred speech, um, slow movement. First and foremost, um, the person should be removed from the job, especially if we're talking about a uh, safety sensitive position and they should be sent home. Also um, provided with uh, a drive home if need be. Um, the company should then conduct its internal investigation and this could include speaking to the workers' colleagues. Uh, they could check their workstation for marijuana or paraphernalia. Now, whether or not this is going to all provide reasonable grounds to conduct a drug test really depends on the circumstances of the case. Again, the employer has to first consider if disability or addiction is an issue, in which case um, it could be discriminatory to ask someone with a disability to provide a drug test. So that has to be considered. And um, it's really going to require an individualized assessment and it also depends on what the company's workplace policies um, say. Now, in, um, also, there's a variety of other factors to consider other than human rights, safety standards, privacy standards, uh, collective agreement if the employees unionize, um, and that kind of thing. So in non-safety sensitive positions, such as an office setting, um, drug testing may not be entirely reasonable, especially if the worker is a first time offender. And the better way to deal with it is to send the person home and give them a written warning or to keep notes in the employee's file. If okay. the person is a repeated offender, then drug testing may be permissible, again, if it's uh, stated in the company's workplace policies. But even then, drug testing for marijuana is not considered to be that accurate at the moment. So I would recommend less invasive techniques be explored first before jumping to drug testing. Okay. Now, when we're dealing, uh, such as um, investigative techniques, uh, like I mentioned, investigating yep. okay. and interviewing the, uh, the person and their uh, work okay. colleagues, that would be the best way to uh, deal with it rather than jumping first to testing. Now, in safety-sensitive positions, uh, it may very well be reasonable to ask the person to submit to a, a drug test, particularly when uh, it's after a job accident, for instance. Sure. However, okay. the employer still has to be able to substantiate that there is a risk to the individual's safety or the safety of others. And in the case of post-accident testing, there has to be a connection between the use of the drug and the uh, accident itself. So drug testing uh, can be permissible, but there's a lot of strings attached to it, I would say. I imagine the courts are starting to see issues like this coming before the courts. 
Oh, yes, definitely, particularly in uh, safety-sensitive positions. We're going to see more and more uh, court cases dealing with this. That pretty much wraps up today's edition of OHS Canada's 2020. I'd like to thank Sarah Yusefi for joining us today and thank all of you for listening. Hope you join us next time for OHS Canada's 2020. If any of you would like to reach out to Sarah, look her up on her LinkedIn account and uh, we will post a link to that uh, at the bottom of the podcast as well. Thanks for listening to OHS Canada's 2020. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll be back next month with a brand new 2020. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter and send us your questions to upcoming editions of 2020. This is Peter Boxer. Until next time, stay safe.